Well, good morning. So glad you're here. My name is Kyle. Just want to welcome each and every one of you, church. We love you. We're so glad you're here. If it's your first time here or your first time back to church in a while, we think it's a great, great Sunday for you to be here as we talk about comeback. I got to be honest with you. I kind of had a few sports stories prepared as we talked about comebacks, but it seems like maybe not the greatest time to talk about comebacks right now. I guess last night technically was payback, wasn't it? I mean, you think about a year ago, oh man, rough, rough deal. Um, Also, my mind shifted because uh, I was trying to come back home last night. Uh, I was in Colorado Springs most of the week. I was out there with some of the pastors and leadership uh, cohort and discipling process that I'm in, and it's a beautiful thing, and had a great time, and then uh, went to get on my plane in Colorado Springs, and it was messed up because of weather in Dallas, which made us late getting back to Dallas, and I got stuck in Dallas, and I got home about 3 o'clock last night because I rented a car to drive back to be here with you this morning, so I came back, come back, all right? I wanted to see my family, I wanted to see my friends, I wanted to see you guys, and wanted to be here with you today. I want to tell you what my prayer is today. Okay, my prayer is for those of us, whether people realize this is true about us or not, but for those of us who are far away from God, that we will come back to him. Maybe for some of you, you walked in here today and you know that everybody in here knows that you're far away from God because you've just been living a lifestyle that just screams that you're not following him right now. My prayer for you is that you will come back to God. Some of you walked in here today, and as far as everybody knows, you're close, you're tight, you and God are good, but you know that you're far away from him right now. My prayer for you is that you will come back to God. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a plumber or a lawyer, construction worker, stay-at-home mom, also known as domestic engineer, salesman, a shift worker, social worker, teacher, pastor, we need to be included too, blue collar or climbing the corporate ladder or maybe you're unemployed, you need to know it's not too late and you haven't gone too far. God wants you to come back. A story of grace and truth that just shouts this message of come back comes from Luke chapter 15. I want you to go ahead and open there. We're going to begin begin reading this morning in verse number 11. And we're going to take three weeks and look at this story in Luke chapter 15. There are three people in this story. We see a younger son, most of the time known as the prodigal son. We also see an older brother, and we see a father. And so we're going to look at all three of these and take these different vantage points and see what's going on here in Luke chapter 15. You would assume that we're looking at a beautiful family. We've got a father. He has two sons. There's probably a mom, but she's really not talked about in the story. Um, In fact, um, you would think that everything was perfect because from what I hear... What everybody tells me that's older than I am is that everything was good and better a long, long time ago, right? Like leave it to beaver, right? I mean, you know, growing up a long time ago, everybody was great, right? Nothing bad ever happened. Nobody ever did anything stupid or foolish, right? And so surely since this happened a long, long time ago, we're talking about a perfect family, right? Well, it's amazing what you can hide behind a picket fence, And I don't know what you may be hiding behind this morning. I don't know what you think is covering you this morning. But I just want you to know that the word perfect doesn't describe you. And or if the word perfect doesn't describe your family, you're not alone. Everybody in the room should like grunt or respond or say, "Uh uh-huh. 
because I'm not perfect. Are, are you? I mean, if you are, please stand up. Come on up. I will give you the mic. I will get out of the way. You talk. I'm not the creator of grace. I'm only the recipient of grace and therefore the heralder of grace, okay? God is perfect. I'm not. You're not. Anybody got a perfect family? Everybody in your family just doing what they ought to do. Everything's going great. I mean, everybody listens, obeys, responds well, good attitudes. Nobody's doing anything sinful or foolish. Everything's wonderful in your family, right? Ooh. All right, so we're not alone this morning, right? We're not alone. We're not alone. Well, let's look at this younger son this morning. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse number 11. Jesus has been talking and he's been telling some stories and we'll take a glimpse at those stories over the next couple of weeks, but I'm picking up here in the middle of Jesus talking. It says, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. And again, as we read along, you're going to realize that one's the younger and one's the older. Um, The older son seemingly is the one that's got it all together. The younger son is the one we're going to focus on today who uh, just gets out of sorts and goes sideways and goes far, far away from home. Verse number 12. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Did you hear what he just said? Let me just make it plain to you what he told his dad. Dad, I wish you were already dead because all I want from you is your stuff. I mean, he's not saying, I want a loan from you. He says, I want my inheritance from you. I don't want to afford on my allowance. I don't want you to pay my car off. I don't want you to pay my student loan off. I wish you were dead so I had all the stuff that you got that's supposed to be mine when you die. So this young kid has kind of lost his mind for just a moment to make such an audacious statement towards his father. Wow, I wish you were dead. I mean, kids, right, they say crazy stuff, right? I mean, young teenagers, whatever, they just kind of they kind of lose it for a few minutes. So if that's the case, some of us are grown now, so what's our excuse for our stupidity and our sin? Yet this young guy makes this just crazy, crazy desire made known to his dad. Verse number 12 goes on to say, So his father agreed divide, to divide his wealth between his sons. I can't really explain that. We're going to focus on the father in a couple of weeks. But for whatever reason, the father decides to give his son not what he needs, but what he wants. Sometimes we want things that we don't really need. And sometimes what we want can work against us. And sometimes we're allowed to have what we want, not what we need. And it doesn't turn out well. Look on, verse number 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. So he got the money, he liquidated all of the assets that his dad gave him, because you can imagine there was probably land and there was probably um, livestock and all kinds of stuff, and he liquidated it all into money so that he could go, and he took the money and he ran. I don't know if he said, woo-hoo-hoo, or not. That's a, that's a song reference for some of you. I don't know if that's where that originated or not, but he took the money and he ran. He ran. It goes on here to say, he went to a distant land, um, maybe he went off to university, Flashbacks, anybody? Oh, you were perfect at college. That's what you're saying? All right. Some of you are there right now, um, and you're not still in school. All right. He moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 
how fast and how foolish he was in wasting everything that he had. My idea is that this whole deal could have gone on a little bit longer for him and his money could have lasted a little bit longer if there would have been TV in existence then because he probably would have been paid to go on to Jews Gone Wild and some of us would have been foolish enough to watch it. Right? Luke 15 verse 14. About the time his money ran out, oh, it always runs out, doesn't it? Proverbs says that Money takes up wings and it flies away. You ever had that experience like, where did it go? Wait a minute, it was right there. And that's sometimes when you're trying to be wise and prudent and you're on a budget even and you're like, whoa, where'd it go? If you're wild and you're foolish, man, it's just gone. It's like, I don't remember spending all that. I don't remember buying all that. I don't remember doing all that. The money ran out. Big uh-oh moment. The next uh-oh moment, a great famine swept over the land. Have you ever noticed that when you're foolish and you're stupid, that it seems to always happen at times when other bad things start happening? It all kind of collides, like our foolishness and our stupidity just kind of lands us in a really bad place, and it goes from bad to worse really quick. As you ran out of money, and then all of a sudden there was no food, a famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Look now, verse number 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Sooner or later, choices bring consequences. It's true for all of us. And here we find this young son, broke, empty, and alone. You're going to see those three words on the screen. I want you to consider where he is right now. Broke, empty, and alone. If you only had to pick one of those to be, which one would you pick? Broke, empty, or alone? He had all three at the same time. Completely broke, completely empty, and completely alone. I'm sure that he never aspired to be any one of these three. I'm sure that none of you have aspired to be any one of these three. And yet this is where he finds himself after his foolish and wild living, broke, empty, and alone. How much planning did it take for him to end up broke, empty, and alone? Y'all can answer if you want to. How much planning? Thank you. How much wisdom did it require for him to end up broke, empty, and alone? How much forethought did it take? Some of you that are broke and empty alone and alone right now, you're like, how'd you end up here? That's the right answer. You don't know how you ended up there because you didn't plan for it. You didn't go out saying, I want this. You just foolishly went about your life, and that's where you've ended up even right now. What's the most degrading job you can think of for you? I mean, what underhanded, under-the-table type of thing could you see yourself doing that would be the most embarrassing thing for you? What job would you take that your parents would despise the most, right? Fill in the blank. This is where he is. He is broke, he is empty, he's alone, and he's desperate. There's an old saying that says, sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. He's broke, and he's empty, and he is alone. Maybe one or more of these words describe you right now. 
And again, maybe you came in here this morning and it was written all over you that you're broke. Maybe it was written all over you that you're empty. Maybe it was written all over you that you're alone. And that's just where you are right now. And you're like, everybody knows that this is me. Maybe you walked in this room this morning and you are broken. Or you're broke, you're empty and or alone. And maybe nobody else around you knows it yet. But that's where you are in your heart of hearts. You've been making choices and doing things that have left you right there. Which one of these describe you possibly this morning? Read on because there's hope. Verse 17. This is so important. If you underline in Scripture, underline this first line in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses. You ever have one of those moments? What am I doing? How did I end up here? I never, ever saw myself doing this. I've got to wake up and do something different. When he finally came to his senses. I want to give you this formula on the screen, and we're going to look back at verse number 17 a little bit more. And that is this self-deception plus self-reliance equals self-destruction. Self-deception, it's this idea that I'm, I'm bulletproof. It's this idea that nothing's ever going to hurt me. It's this idea that I can get away with this. It's this idea that I'll never get caught. Self-deception plus self-reliance. I don't need anybody. I got all this money. I'm loaded. Nothing can stop me now. I've got this. I've got friends. I've got people that love me. Everything is good. self Deception. I came up with the word a few years ago. I call it self-dupification. When you dupe yourself, self-deception plus self-reliance equals what? Self-destruction. So if you're deceiving yourself right now or if you're relying on yourself right now, you are putting together a formula that's going to land you in a destructive place where you're broke, empty, and or alone. Wow. It's not where we need to be. Again, verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. I don't know if it was the smell of the hog pen. I don't know if it was the hunger just rolling over in his belly. I don't know what it was that finally caused him to become alert and aware of where he really was. But when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, by the way, this sounds a little bit crazy when you talk to yourself, but every now and then you need to talk to yourself. Some of you need to have a good conversation with yourself. And you need to have an honest conversation with yourself. And he's having an honest conversation with himself. And here's what he says to himself. At home. (laughs) Home. I liked getting home last night at 3 a.m. I did. I crawled into my bed with my pillow. I spent the last couple days in Colorado uh, camping out. It got kind of chilly, so I slept in my rental vehicle with the seats flipped down in the back. And I would go to bed with the vehicle all nice and warm, and I'd wake up in the morning freezing cold. I was thinking about home, right? You ever been gone from home? You ever been gone from home and you couldn't go home because you made bad choices? He's thinking about home. He's thinking about warm bed. He's thinking about warm food. He's thinking about warm family. He's thinking about home. At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. There's an insanity to sin. And the only way that you can find your sanity again spiritually, and some of you aren't sane right now spiritually, you're insane, you're making foolish, ungodly, unhealthy 
decisions. And the only way that you can find your sanity again is through repentance. Look now, verse number 18. I will go home. It's the best choice he's made in a long, long time. I will go home. Now, think about this. He left. The last thing he really told his dad was what? I wish you were dead. And he said, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm, I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home. And he's got a plan. He's got a plan. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. That's a good plan. When you have messed up admitting what you've done and saying, I don't want to do it anymore, showing forth repentance is a really, really wise move. It goes on in verse number 19. And he says, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, so please take me on as a hired servant. So repentance is a good plan, but then he kind of starts getting off into this normal idea that many of us fall into when it comes especially to God. We think, well, I've messed up, so to get back right with God, I'm going to start doing good things so God will give me favor, so at least he'll let me in the same room as he's in. Repentance is right, but listen, you can't earn your way back in with God. You just can't do it. And that's okay because he gives us this incredible gift, and it's called grace. And he offers us his love regardless of what we've done. He offers us his forgiveness regardless of what we've done, regardless of where we've been, regardless of where we have found ourselves. This young man didn't really understand the depth of his father's love. He thought, maybe I can go back, maybe I can say the right words, and maybe I can work hard enough to just be treated like one of my father's servants because they're getting treated better than me. He has that smell of pigs on him, and he heads home. This morning, let me say to you, come to your senses and come back to God. Come to your senses. I don't know what the smell is you need to get in your nostrils right now. I don't know what the feeling is that you need to get in your gut right now. I don't know what you need to see and to behold to come to your senses. But I pray that the Spirit of God this morning will cause you to come to your senses and come back to God. Look now at verse number 20. So he returned home to his father. This is so cool. I want you to see this picture. He returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father what? Saw him. To see someone, you have to be what? Looking for them. The father, day after day, month after month, potentially year after year, has been looking for his son to return home. The son who said, I want you to be dead. I don't want you in my life anymore. The father still loves him. He's looking for him, and he's looking for him at the first sight of him. I wonder how many times down the dusty trail he saw a little dust picked up, and he jumped up, and he said, oh, I thought that was him, and he sat back down. Day after day, and he saw him, and it says that he ran, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. I'm going to give you a really ugly picture for just a second. I got home about 3 o'clock last night. I'll be honest with you. The last time I had shower was Thursday morning. 
I've been traveling all day, and I'd been out in the countryside of Colorado for a few days. And my beautiful wife, who's serving in HC Kids right now, she didn't skip church this morning, she's serving right now. Um, she came up out of the bed and hugged me and kissed me on the lips. Why? Because I looked good in that moment? Because I smelled good in that moment? Because I was appealing in that moment? Let me tell you why she did that. Because she what? She loves me. She loves me. The Father loves you. And regardless of how you smell or how you look, he looks at you through eyes of love and compassion. He will run to you, embrace you, and kiss you and bring you back into the fold. Oh, If you're far away from God, this is how he's waiting to react to you when you return in repentance. Look now, verse number 21. His son, okay, said to him, the spiel, right? He had it together. This is what I'm going to say when I get to my father. I've got it all worked out. I've got all the right words. And when my father hears what I have to say, that everything's going to be better. I'm going to pray the right prayer, if you will. All right, look at verse 21. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Correct. Good words. Exactly what he ought to say. He goes on and saying, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Correct, true. He's got the rest of the spiel. What's the rest of the spiel? And dad, I just want to work for you and be one of your hired servants. But he doesn't get to finish the spiel. Have you ever had something all worked out? You knew exactly what you wanted to say. You were ready for it. And you get going and somebody cuts you off, right? It's irritating, isn't it? The father cuts him off. Look at verse 22. But his father said to the servants, not to the son, he doesn't even respond to his son verbally. He speaks to his servants, okay? And here's what he says. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. The father cuts him off. He says, I've heard you. I see you. I love you. I embrace you. I forgive you. You're back. Servants, give him everything. He's still my son. He's still my son. Do you see the beauty in that? Do you see the grace in that? Do you see the undeserved favor in that? That's who God is. Look now at verse 23. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. It goes on in verse 24. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost but now he is found. So the partay began. This is what partying, real biblical partying looks like. And by the way, I think believers ought to party. And I think we ought to party hard. And I think we ought to party at the sight of someone coming back to God. You see someone turning in repentance, you just start celebrating. Because let me tell you what the father's reaction is going to be. It's going to be open arms. He's going to say, bring the robe, bring the calf, bring the ring, bring the shoes. We're celebrating because forgiveness is granted. Maybe right now you think that you are so far gone that you would just consider yourself dead spiritually right now. Listen, Jesus who came back from the dead can raise you to life. He can resuscitate your soul and bring you back to life. You think, I'm so far lost. I'm so far gone. Ah, 
You can be found because the Father is looking for you. He's looking for you. This moment of rescue, this moment of resurrection, and this moment of renewed relationship. What a beautiful, beautiful thing we're reading here in Scripture. Listen, this is not a story of merits. This is a story of grace. The Father celebrates the one who is found. The one who was dead is now alive. God doesn't just love those who have it, watch me, all together. He loves the rest of us who are all messed up. He loves those who have blown it, blown it big time. So whether you consider yourself to be a church goer or a hell raiser, a nice person or a mean person, whether you look like you got it together or you're an addicted person or you're an addicted person who looks like you got it all together, whether you're right wing or left wing or no wing, whether you are a steak and potatoes kind of person or a vegetarian, whether you're old or young, married, single, divorced, or on the verge of divorce, whether you're healthy as a horse or you've been recently diagnosed, whether you got a house full of kids, wishing you had kids or wishing your kids would straighten up, or an empty nester, whether you got a GED or a PhD, whether you're a party animal or a party pooper, whether you're a Razorback fan or an LSU fan, yes, Jesus receives them all, all of us. He wants us. He's saying, come back, come to your senses. Awaken to what you have done and awaken to what I have to offer you and come back to me, even if you've blown it big time, big time. If you've blown it big time, let me tell you what God's got for you. Big grace. That's what he wants to bestow upon you. Come back to God. Come back to your senses. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It's going to be on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. What sin? All of it, including that big huge thing that's on your heart and on your mind right now that's causing you to sink in guilt. He died. He took upon himself that sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Wait a minute. I can be right with God like God likes me, like God wants to be around me, like God wants me to be in his presence Through Jesus and his sacrifice, the answer is absolutely 100% yes. So come to your senses and come back to God. Run to God in repentance and faith. He is ready to run to you. He is watching. He wants you to return. He loves you. Even if you haven't believed in him yet, Meaning you've never said, you know what, I believe God's real. Maybe you've never said, I believe that Jesus came for my sins. Maybe you've never said, I believe that Jesus came back from the dead. If you will come to him in faith today through repentance, he will receive you today and bring you into his family. You are his special creation, and he wants to transform you into his child. He wants to say, you're my son. He wants to say, you're my daughter. He wants to say, welcome home. If you're his child and you haven't been acting like it, run home. He's ready to embrace you. The gate, it's wide open. 
It's wide open because of the cross of Jesus. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, come home. Come home. Come to your senses and come back to God. As soon as he sees you turn to him, he is going to run and bring you in. That's who he is. That's who he is. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I don't know if God's stirring your heart right now or not. I pray that he is. I pray that if you're far away from him, you'll, you'll come to him. And I pray that you'll take this opportunity, even in this moment as I speak, to begin turning your heart towards him. Admitting, sure, what you have done, absolutely. Repenting of it, absolutely. But understanding that his grace waits on you and that the gate is wide open. There are going to be some pastors at the front that can pray with you if you need to be prayed with. Man, we're ready to, to receive you. Our band's going to be coming up. They're going to play a song in just a moment. It's going to be an opportunity for you to respond to God. It's going to be an opportunity for you to worship. It's going to be an opportunity for you to worship through your giving, and we invite you to do that. And, man, we just want to celebrate who God is this morning, and we want to celebrate that he's brought us back into his fold. And if we need to come back to him this morning, this morning is the opportunity to come back. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you right now. We stand before you considering where we are, taking a deep, deep breath, allowing our senses, whether it be our bodily senses or the senses of our heart or our mind, to realize exactly where we are. And for those of us who are in your presence right now, by grace, we're going to celebrate you. For those of us who are far away, I pray that we will realize it and we will run to you and experience your grace today. I pray that we will no longer be a prodigal son, that we'll no longer be a runaway kid, but we'll come home into your very presence through the work of Jesus Christ and the grace that you so freely offer. Oh, I pray that we come to our senses. And we come back to God. And through Christ, we can be made right with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.